The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey everyone, it's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. Hope you are enjoying your Sunday and uh, hope you've been having a good weekend in general as we are coming to you, if you're listening to us live, it would now be Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. We thank you for joining us, whether that's on Cincy Jungle's Facebook Live video account or the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us live. If you aren't joining us live and are catching the this episode of the podcast after the fact, thank you for for downloading. Try and join us after the after the uh, after the games for post game reactions. We try and do these after every game. We try and do them pretty shortly after every game as well. You can get the show aside from on CincyJungle.com and the aforementioned YouTube channel for the Orange and Black Insider. You can get the SB Nation Cincy Jungle podcast slate of Bengals shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it now on iHeartRadio or on Megaphone. You can also get the program, as I mentioned, on YouTube and on CincyJungle.com. Well, the Bengals fell to the Steelers 16-10. to It was a game that uh, was pretty hard fought. It was a game that was very close. It was two. There were two teams that were not in great shape in terms of injuries, attrition. Uh, Steelers had a, a player, a, a key player out of the lineup, Marquise Pouncey, because of the suspension from the brawl the week prior. But yet again, the Steelers prevail. They kind of, kind of, sort of did their their little bullying trademark that they like to do. There was a little chippiness at the beginning of the game, but that seemed to die down and there wasn't, you know, there weren't the brawls, there weren't those types of things that have really marked quite a bit of this this rivalry over the past few years. A lot a lot to get to here. I I think we can talk about the quarterback play. We can talk about play of the ancillary players on offense and the play of, of the defense. You look at, uh, I, I guess we could look at the defense. I Once again, I feel a little bit like a broken record. I mean, the defense did enough for the, the team to win the game, and they definitely did enough for the team to win the game. 
especially with the woes on offense. Um, the defense let up only 16 points to the Steelers, and granted that Steelers had to bounce between two different two different uh, quarterbacks. The Bengals played both of them pretty well. Uh, they they combined for one touchdown, one interception. Um, Bengals sacked the quarterback a couple of times. There were some great individual performances on defense. I thought Carlos Dunlap played well. He had a pass defended that ended up being an interception. The guy who intercepted that pass, Sean Williams, uh, ended up stepping up and playing relatively well. Jesse Bates had a better game as well. Uh, he was coming off two games with an interception coming into today. He didn't have an interception, but was kind of flying around a little bit. Thought Darquez Denard had a very good first half for the Cincinnati Bengals. The defensive line played very well. Uh, linebacker play wasn't overly great. Uh, Nick Vigil kind of still chasing tackle. A little bit of the same from Jermaine Pratt. But there has been, you know, Jermaine Pratt had, I believe, eight, eight total tackles on the day. And, you know, there was some limiting of the damage until, of course, you know, towards the very end of the game when the Steelers were kind of playing keep away with the ball and, and kind of milking the clock. There were a couple of big runs there. But really only one explosive play given up for the most part, by the Bengals' defense. That was the 78-79 uh, yard touchdown to James Washington. And, of course, that occurred right when the quarterback change happened. And uh, if you watched the alignment, the personnel grouping that the Cincinnati Bengals had on the field for defense, they had one safety deep on that play, kind of left that safety in, in a you know precarious position, to say the least. And, of course, the Steelers being the Steelers took advantage. The Bengals now have lost. Uh, they have lost 13 straight games going back to 2018 and are, uh, I, I believe they're one in six, one in 17, one in 18 in their last, you know, handful of games. So not great, a great direction for this team going forward. But as I said, the defense has did enough, and, and limited the points, limited the damage enough for the Cincinnati Bengals to get a win. I mean, you look at week one, they let up 21 points in Seattle to the Seahawks. You know, you could say you can win that one. You let up 21 points to Buffalo, who is now an eight and three team, by the way. 21 points to the Bills in Buffalo. Another game that maybe you, you think could have been won. Um, you know, you, you could look at the 26 points to the Cardinals, yeah, okay, that's a little too much, maybe. 23 points to the Ravens, who were seemingly beating everybody the first time around. 23 points, it gives you a shot. Uh, 24 points to the Rams on a neutral field in England, gives you a shot. 17 points to the Raiders in Oakland last week, definitely has have gives you a shot to win a game. And then 16 points today to the Steelers on your home field. That, you know, there, there's there's six or so games in there that points-wise, the defense is doing enough to win you games. Now, it's not pretty. They're letting up a lot of yards. There are other games in there, obviously. 41 points to the 49ers on your home field. That's not going to do it. 27 points to the Steelers in Pittsburgh when you're only scoring three. That's not going to do it. I mentioned the 26 points against the Cardinals. That's kind of a high amount. Um, 27 points against the Jaguars, who aren't a very good team. That's not going to do it. 49 points against the Ravens, of course, that's not going to do it. But you look at the Ravens game, two of those touchdowns were from the offense. There was a lost fumble in that Ravens game that was returned for a touchdown, a pick six in that game that was returned for a touchdown, a couple of those instances. 
um, obviously occurred in some of those other games too. But I'm not saying the defense is great. I'm not even saying it's good. But it, uh, more often than not, in terms of total points and and overall scenarios, they are doing enough for the Bengals to to win ball games. And um, you know, unfortunately. Whether it was Andy Dalton or whether it was it is Ryan Finley, the offense is not stepping up. Now, the offense definitely has taken a step back from uh, under Ryan Finley than that of Andy Dalton. So let's kind of transition from the Bengals' defensive performance that should have given them, you know, a, a good chance to win on their own home field, especially from a, a battered Steelers team. Ryan Finley, 12 of 26, under 50% completion percentage again, and under 200 yards passing again. He has not cracked two, he's not, 192 has been, which is what he threw for today, was his career high. He has not passed that mark um, in the in his three starts. He had the one touchdown. He had two fumbles today. One was lost. Um, so not a good day from him. I will say this in Finley's defense, there were probably three or four drops that, hurt him now that's something obviously that plagued Andy Dalton too so he wasn't immune to that either but I believe it was fourth quarter early in the fourth quarter Bengals needing to get out of the shadow of the end zone I think they're only down by three points he puts a ball on Tyler Boyd who is kind of going across the middle he may or may not have gotten the first down had he hung on to it but that's a ball that hits him basically right in the gut drops it Uh, another one earlier I believe it was kind of a contested ball to to Boyd doesn't complete it. Alex Erickson, another one, a cup. There was probably two to Alex Erickson that were contested passes. He catches at least one of those, which I think maybe you should have. Um, you know, that's that the stats are a little different. Situations are a little different, but of course, shoulda, woulda, coulda is kind of the MO for the Cincinnati Bengals going, you know, in, in 2019 here. Uh, so Ryan Finley, very up and down day. There was a point really through the first throughout most of the game. I mean, if he wasn't kind of chucking up prayers to Tyler Boyd to come down with, um, he was not really making any, any hay uh, offensively. The Bengals 16% on third down conversion, 16%. That is putrid, absolutely putrid. And that was the, the reason for, or a big reason for the Bengals ineffectiveness on third down was because penalties by the offensive line, negative negative plays on early downs that put them in long, you know, second and long, third and long situations. They can't get out of it. They have to punt the football. So, um, you know, it, a lot of the same. Now, Cordy Glenn came in. We could talk about the offensive line. The offensive line remains a major issue. Billy Price was benched or however you want to put it, maybe sat because he had a supposed back issue late on Friday. Alex Redman was going to get the start. Alex Redman hurts his elbow. I don't know how that happens in pregame warmup somehow. Um, and he was out for the game. Billy Price then gets reinserted into the lineup, making me think this was more of a benching than anything else. So he gets reinserted in the lineup. He was just meh. Um, you know, many of the the positive run plays that Joe Mixon was able to generate were really because of single-handed effort by Joe Mixon. Um, so, you know, I can't really give Billy, Billy Price a big pat on the back. Michael Jordan, his other Buckeyes teammate, came in for one snap as an extra offensive lineman in kind of a jumbo package. He commits a penalty on his lone snap. 
wonderful. Uh, John Miller had a penalty. Uh, Bobby Hart, absolutely atrocious game at right tackle. Um, continues to get abused by by TJ Watt. I think TJ Watt has uh, what four sacks against him in two games. Um, he's he had another false start late in the game. I, it's inexplicable, not only how the Bengals, why they gave him a lucrative contract, why they just handed him the starting right tackle position and of all of the musical chairs they're doing on the offensive line I, for the life of me i do not understand the obsession with bobby hart he's now i believe in his fifth year as a, as an nfl offensive lineman he was let he was a low round pick he was let go by his previous team i i understand he's younger and you may think he might be getting better he might be progressing as a player but he is not showing it on tape. And uh, unfortunately he remains one of the major issues on the offensive line. Now, when your offensive line depth chart is very low in terms of amounts of tackles and, and or amounts of worthy tackles to potentially sit him down and, and replace him, you know, that that's an issue, but uh, that is definitely a position that needs addressing in this off season. That is a contract. The Bengals desperately need to get out of use that money, take the cap hit, but use the other excess cap space you would take from releasing him um, and, and uh, you know, use it for someone in free agency that, you know, is able to do, is able to, you know, help you out in a different area or potentially at right tackle because that is not getting it done. We're going to talk uh, a few more minutes here. Uh, I'm seeing some, some qu uh, questions and comments. I saw uh, someone say uh, in all caps, Dalton, Dalton, Dalton. I, you know, I, I don't really know what, what that means, but uh, you know, I, I did see a, an egregious misfire by Ryan Finley on a deep ball to Alex Erickson. Alex Erickson was streaking wide open down the right sideline and like a, pass that Dalton sailed on uh, Auden Tate down uh, in, in the game against the Rams on the left sideline. Finley missed an easy one that may have been a touchdown pass to Alex Erickson, but he just threw it out of bounds. He didn't underthrow it. He didn't even give his guy a chance to get it. He just sailed it out of bounds. Not really a windy day to my knowledge. Not, you know, an, it was a cooler day, but, you know, n nothing that really should have prevented him from hitting that pass other than just an errant throw. So, um, you know, not much to say about that chance. White says, uh, Finley is literally a younger Dalton. He fell apart when it mattered most, just like 14. I, I, I don't think he's, I don't think his right now he's not playing as well as Andy Dalton. So, and it's, I, that's easy to say he's a rookie in his third start as opposed to Dalton. But I mean, Dalton was showing us a little bit more as a rookie. Um, now, granted, he had AJ Green and others um, in a bet much better offensive line when he was a rookie. But I don't know. Uh, just it's you know that is what it is. I see we've got some Steeler trolls in here as well. So thank you to the Steeler trolls. You guys are just class acts. Class acts. I engaged with one, made the mistake of doing so on Twitter. Real class acts, and uh, hopefully that person is joining us for the show because he is a Twitter tough guy, and uh, gotta love those people. So, real class, classy fan base. Those Steelers fans. Um, at any rate, let's uh, let's kind of keep moving here. 
I'm going to kind of keep scrolling for questions and comments. So keep those coming guys. Uh, again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the orange and black insider Bengals podcast talking about the Bengals 16 to 10 loss to the Steelers came close, but uh, still could not do uh, do enough major mistakes down the stretch and or ineffectiveness throughout much of the game on offense. And it just uh, ended up kind of blowing up in their face yet again. Bengals are 0-11. It is the worst start by the by the team in franchise history, and they've lost 13 straight. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I said at the onset of the show, you can get this program and other podcast episodes from other shows uh, on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network through a variety of different audio channels. So take advantage and listen to those how you can. Um, and then this show also is on YouTube and then we do, we do it through Cincy jungles, Facebook, uh, live as well. So thank you for those tuning in live and interacting with us. Even you troll Steeler fans will, will accept you, uh, hanging out with us. I mean, you've got nothing better to do, obviously, than to go on an opposing team's podcast and talk noise. So, you know, that's your life. That's okay. But Thank you all for tuning in and uh, joining live. Thank you for subscribing to our channels and thank you for listening after the fact, if you are so inclined. Talking a little bit more about the offense, Tyler Boyd had another 100 yard game. Now, if you remember leading into this week, Tyler Boyd kind of chirped a little bit. He was a little upset after the Raiders game that he was not getting the ball. It was his first, um, first professional game that he had basically zero yards receiving not pleased about that, obviously. So he, he kind of said, you know, in so many words, he kind of said, basically, you paid me this contract, you gave me this extension, but you're not giving me the ball. What's the deal? And rightfully so. He is basically their best receiving weapon right now. I mean, you would say Tyler Eifert, but they don't really use him. And obviously, you know, with the injuries and all that kind of stuff, it, it's up for debate. But I mean, he he is the best, if not one of the best available receiving threats on this team. Uh, he's now, I believe that's his third 100 yard game of the season. Um, and you know, in the second quarter, Tyler Boyd really put this team on his shoulders, kind of literally with a one handed 47 yard catch. And then one play later, he out muscled for a touchdown pass. That was a wounded duck thrown by Ryan Finley to the end zone. Uh, he kind of out muscled, Joe Hayden in the front corner of the end zone to, uh, you know, make a nice play and, and uh, kind of give hope to the Cincinnati Bengals. Unfortunately, Tyler Boyd in the fourth quarter, I mean, third quarter, he had a nice pass interference penalty that helped the, the team get a field goal. Um, in the fourth quarter, Boyd had, a, I mentioned the critical drop earlier, and then Finley throws one of his best passes of the game, kind of drops it into the bucket for Boyd, a big gain. Boyd kind of takes a couple of steps and lets it get punched out. Um, Steelers recover, and uh, Bengals were really close in scoring position. It had had Boyd not fumbled the football, so kind of a, an egregious error by Boyd. Uh, tough hit and everything, but uh, kind of one of those p- things where you know just protect the football there and uh, be aware of your surroundings. And unfortunately, he was not. Now it's hard to fault a guy who has a hundred yards a touchdown, a great one-handed catch, and really did a lot to help this team. It has done a lot to help this team 
throughout uh, throughout the course of this season and and really the past couple of seasons. But you know, those errors, you know, when you when you kind of speak up about not getting the ball and and then they they make a concerted effort to throw you the ball. Uh, and you have a drop and this fumble, five catches on nine targets. He was the highest targeted player on the day. Um, it, you give him a pass because Boyd has been very productive and he's really improved as a football player from when, you know, when he first started with this team. But, you know, just in this week when he was kind of speaking up, it's uh, it's a little tough to – little tough to, to – be fully on board with, with his comments. Um, you know, when you speak up for the ball and you get the ball, you, you can't make mistakes when you get it. It's just kind of bottom line there, but uh, kind of a Jekyll and Hyde day a little bit from, from Tyler Boyd. Uh, you know, beyond that 43 yards receiving by Alex Erickson, obviously the big missed pass I mentioned earlier, Giovanni Bernard had a couple nice plays in the passing game. And then a bunch of just, eh, uh, Joe Mixon, high effort game, and he is just churning out yards that are probably some of the toughest rushing yards to achieve <laughs> around the league. 18 carries, 79 yards, a 4.4 average, didn't find the end zone. But there was a play specifically today where he was hit probably four yards in the in the backfield because of poor blocking. Um, he bounced off a tackle, weaved around, um, you know, made a, a big gain Really, it was for a first down. Um, very nice play. Unfortunately, the play right after was the Boyd fumble, but um, very nice day from him. You look at it, 18 for 79 is rather pedestrian, but if you if you actually, it's one of those things, watch the runs, watch the actual plays and what he had to do to get 4.4 yards per carry. And I think you would be very impressed. If you, did, if you didn't actually watch the game play by play and didn't see each one of his runs, I think you would, you know, you should go back and really watch, watch those runs and see what he had to do given some of the poor blocking up front. Some of the, you know, it's a little predictable with a rookie quarterback in his third start, battered receiving core. They're going to try to give the ball to Joe Mixon, and that's that's what they did. But overall, not a good day from Ryan Finley, not a great day from the offense. And that's where we kind of move to Zach Taylor. Uh, I mentioned the the man, the 16% completion percentage on on third down. That is just not getting it done. Absolutely not getting it done. That is just you're, you're never going to win on that uh, kind of, you know, at that kind of pace, it's just not not conducive to winning. Uh, you look at the Cincinnati Bengals this year, and granted, I know the off we can talk about the offensive line, we can talk about the receiving core, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. But the Bengals in the regular season have not scored more than twenty three points. They've scored seventeen points four times. They've scored single digit points once. And they've been held to under two touchdowns four times. This is your offensive guru, guys. I mean, at 16% third down conversion rate, 10 points on your home field. The quarterback change didn't do anything for you in terms of, you know, getting you wins, getting more points, being a more exciting offense. If they were putting up, you know, 30 plus points a game and still, and they were still 0 11, well, then I would, I, I, he would be immune from the blame. He would be immune from the blame. I mean, it's 
they're not doing that. This was a guy that was brought in to, to revive Andy Dalton's career. This was a guy that, that was brought in to make the offense less vanilla than under a quote unquote defensive minded head coach. And then, you know, just kind of utilize the weapons that are there. Now, some of those weapons haven't been able to be utilized. Um, you know, that's, that's just kind of the reality, but I don't know, man. Uh, like I said, it's, I mean, they're, they're a real ho-hum offense. Haven't scored more than 23 points. Um, only scored 20 points twice. 20 plus points twice. Like I said, 17 points four times. Um, the last in, in the Ryan Finley era, 10 points, 13 points, excuse me, 13 points and 10 points uh, the, the previous two weeks and then 10 points again. So, you know, 10 points, 10 points, 13 points in three weeks with Ryan Finley. That, that That's what you got after the, the quarterback change. I don't know. He, you now You now have the worst start in franchise history, which is really truly saying something for one of the most unsuccessful franchises in NFL history in general. Um, you know, he's, he's outperformed in this regard, David Shula. He's outperformed David Shula with the 0-11 start. Um, some fans are very excited about that because of what that means for the draft next year. Fine. If that's, if that's your mindset. Um, I do. I, I do like that, you know, the past couple of games have been close. Uh, I, I like the kind of the, there doesn't seem, there, this team doesn't seem to have quit. Um, but there were times also in this game, I, I thought there was a pass interference penalty on BW Webb that could have been challenged. He did not challenge it. Um, he did make a good move on the, uh, it, it was a, an intentional grounding towards, I believe the, the end of the first half where they were going to take off 10 seconds. And instead he used the timeout and all that. He worked that situation well. Um, but the, this is, this is proving to be too much. It appears for Zach Taylor in terms of play calling duties, being a first time NFL head coach, the injuries, all of this is proving to be too much. And an 0 11 record speaks to that. I mean, that, there's really no way around that. Um, that doesn't mean he can't be a successful head coach in this league. That doesn't mean he won't be a successful head coach with the Cincinnati Bengals down the road, but this team needs to get healthier and he either needs to, you know, relegate the play calling duties to somebody else, or he needs to, you know, he he needs to probably get some more experienced coordinators and other, other folks on staff. And he needs to absolutely nail if, if the Bengals are going to keep him, in next year's draft, he needs to absolutely nail the draft next year and not, not project guys, not guys that are coming in with predisposed injuries or injury issues in their history. They need guys to step on the field throughout training camp, throughout the preseason and the regular season. They need them to play almost every game that they can. If this team's going to turn around quickly, Uh, it's going to start with a quarterback that is for sure. Ryan Finley doesn't seem to be the answer. And if, if Ryan Finley is the answer, it, it's with a an all-star line. It's with A.J. Green coming back, Tyler Boyd being being healthy and, and is, is your solid number two and probably another wide receiver 
whether that's John Ross or another draft pick this year, you're going to need to do the, the Andy Dalton method and build heavily around Ryan Finley because he is showing, he's showing less than Andy Dalton did. And uh, you know, Andy Dalton throughout much of his career had a lot of help, but um, he also had some, some big games and big numbers. Ryan Finley through three games is, is not, really instilling the confidence that he's your, you know, he's your long-term answer. So I'm seeing Sterling Sherwood, Zach Taylor should be fired now. Um, Dylan Carter, it all boils down to Mike Brown. No one wants to come to Cincinnati and he's tearing apart the team we do have. This is something I've been thinking about recently based on Dylan's comment here. You know what? Unfortunately, and I, I don't know because I'm not really – this could be just kind of, you know, conjecture and everything, but based on some of the reputations that, that this management has based on some of the reputations that this organization in general has because of its practices, it's um, lean spending in terms of organizational needs and staffing and all that kind of stuff. I do wonder if that's why I think back to the Bengals giving high round picks with, with troubled pasts, you know, tank Johnson, Pac-Man Jones, all these, all these guys that were talented guys, but were cast offs in the league. Same thing in the draft, the Chris Henry's and all those that came in with red flags, Odell Thurman's. Um, you look back to their last two head coaching hires. They are two, guys that were pretty hot commodities around the league, but were risks because they had never been NFL head coaches before and, or, you know, in Taylor's case, never a, a head coach in general. Um, both came from Super Bowl pedigrees, one winning one losing, but they had Super Bowl backgrounds and Marvin Lewis and Zach Taylor. I, I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, what, what Dylan's saying here, no one wants to come to Cincinnati and, and, and all of that. Maybe that's why this team has had to make those kinds of decisions. You know, uh, you're not going, you know, Jack Del Rio was maybe spoken of as becoming a defensive coordinator. Maybe he looked at this situation and kind of said, this is a situation where I am not set up to be successful. And if you are an employee of an organization, whether it's football or otherwise, you want to go into to a job, a new job, feeling like I am I am given the keys to be successful and uh, make the make the team, the organization successful, and maybe some of these more well known guys, guys who have extensive NFL resumes and are well respected around the league, look at Mike Brown, look at the way this team is run, and say thanks, but no thanks. Um, I'll wait for another opportunity. Whereas guys who need to get their foot in the door need to get that first opportunity say, yeah, I'll jump at the opportunity with the Bengals, or maybe it's their last opportunity in the case of these character-concerned guys. Now, now the Bengals have, have, for the most part, shied away in recent years from the character-concerned guys, but I think you get my point where these are, you know, cast-offs, guys begging for first sh first shots. Um, I wonder if that's who they have to choose from. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, the Bengals ha had a couple of guys supposedly on their short list for the head coaching search. Eric Bieniemy was one. Bieniemy was a, a player for the Bengals, and uh, he has not been an NFL head coach before. So, you know, there's that. Shane Waldron, the other assistant with the Rams, was a guy supposedly they were interested in and um, a few others. But 
I, I don't I don't know this with certainty, but it, it definitely, especially in a season like this, to get your wheels turning about how this team is run, what they're doing, what their plan is, and you know why they are who they are and who they have been. It's it's hard. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to understand a mindset as a as an owner of an NFL team to to have this kind of stretch of futility and uh, whether and I'm not just talking about 2019. I'm talking about before. I I just don't understand how that's accepted accepted internally as a culture. I just I mean I, if I owned a business and it was I mean I guess from a financial standpoint it's not really failing because of the revenue share system and all of that but that stadium was pretty sparse today in the their biggest rival of the year and it probably was one of the better the more well attended games because there was a significant Steelers contingent at that at that game so attendance has been an issue I, I don't know I've, I've written this in a couple of pieces I've put up on Cincy Jungle but in case you needed to know courtesy of ESPN.com the Cincinnati Bengals have the second lowest average attendance per game in the NFL. And the only team that's below them is the Los Angeles Chargers. And that's because they play in a tiny stadium right now. So that number gets skewed because of that. So if the, if and when the Chargers get into their new stadium, that's going to, and this trend continues, the Bengals will for sure be the lowest attended team going forward. Now that could change with a quarterback drafted next year. I don't know. Um, We'll see. I'm going to, I'm going to end on this. I mean, uh, we've talked a lot about the Steelers game and I'm trying to get some, to some questions and comments here. Some of them, uh, I'm kind of seeing some, I'm seeing, I'm not seeing all of them, but yeah, Chris, Chris Reisner. I haven't, I haven't watched them play the last three weeks. I can't believe how inept they are. Uh, I mean, you missed a, a decent and a hard fought game today, but I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of tripping over their own feet, you know, at the, at the end of the game, the Bengals had kind of a shot. They were down 16 to 10, and uh, they had a shot to go and drive for the the winning touchdown. Like I said, Finley puts it in the bucket to their, you know, really their most battle-tested and most talented wide receiver. Um, he makes the catch and fumbles the ball away, and, and, you know, it's it's a lot of the same, a lot of the same mistakes, and, and you know, they're going to need to get out of their own way. I'm seeing a lot of this. Um Nathaniel, the whole team lost that game. I guess you could say that. I thought the defense did enough to, to like I said earlier, I thought the defense did enough to, to garner a win today, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Mark Rydell, to have the energy to continue to talk about these Bengals, it's amazing. Well, hey, as long as you guys want to hear hear this and hear hear from me um, and, and my co-host, John Sheeran, and, and others, we're going to keep giving you these shows. Um, we enjoy doing it. And a big reason, especially in a season like this, a big reason we enjoy, and I'm not just blowing smoke and saying this, a big reason we enjoy doing this, especially for our show, and the reason we format it the way we do with the live videos and the live feeds is the interaction. And it's not just you interacting with us. I mean, yeah, it gives us stuff to talk about, especially for the post-game episodes, but you guys interact with each other. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. And it, you know, it, it, for the most part, remains positive from fan to fan and from you guys to us. So uh, we appreciate that. It's, it's, I've always kind of prided the show that we do here as, as a listener driven show. 
you know, you guys kind of take the wheel a little bit and, and steer us. So um, anyway, I, I just appreciate that you guys are still tuning in during a year that is definitely not that entertaining <laughs> and definitely not uh, very hope inspiring. I want to say this though, speaking of inspiring hope, A lot of a lot of stuff has been transpiring in the college ranks that would affect the Cincinnati Bengals and their and their draft next year. Now, uh, based on the early slate of games, we're sitting here, uh, you know, finishing up the late slate as we record today. Um, the Bengals still hold now a it's now a two game lead for the number one overall pick. the The Giants sit at number two overall. And if that holds up, you would be t- you would tend to think that with the Giants spending such a high pick on Daniel Jones last year, you would tend to think that they are not in- interested in a quarterback. The Washington Redskins are up there as well. They, depending on their thoughts on Dwayne Haskins, um, he was a high pick last year. I don't know that um, they would be inclined to use a high pick. So the Bengals might be in pretty good shape here, both not only for the amount of wins and losses, but the teams that are also up there. I'm seeing a ton of stuff. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. Um, there are some, you, go, you know, I see someone here saying I would take uh, Chase Young first and get a QB in the second round. There is logic in both, but, um, you know, it's – I think a lot of people that looked at the, this was a big weekend for Justin Herbert of Oregon, and uh, he he didn't really come up come to play. Um, this was a big weekend for him because it was basically the first weekend he was going to play after Tua Tagovailoa went down with the injury. Another guy who was kind of been talked about as a top pick. So um, Joe Burrow played another solid game. Uh, wasn't you know, anything near really the, the game against Alabama, which was outstanding. Um, but I think he had 277 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Justin Herbert had two touchdowns, two interceptions. His team lost um, against a, you know, a, a five and five team at the time, Arizona state team on the road. So not a good week for him, but it just kind of continues to, to shape things up. But I, I, I do know. And I think for those who follow the draft and follow all this stuff, you you have to know that as spring comes, you know, you got to let these last couple of bowl games and all that stuff play out. But as spring comes and this pre-draft process comes, the hype machines come, the pre people get enamored with pre-draft workouts. They get enamored with the pro days and all of that. Um, so, you know, some things could change, but I think right now, as we sit here, I think, you know, I think it has to be Joe Burrow uh, for the Bengals at number one overall. We'll talk a little bit more about that undoubtedly this week on our Wednesday, uh, our pre-Thanksgiving show of the Orange and Black Insider. John Sheeran and I will do that. But I think right now it's got to be it's got to be Joe Burrow. The Bengals are not putting up points. The defense is being thrown back out there three and out after three and out. Um, Zach Taylor is if he does not get fired after this year, he's going to be a guy that's going to have a, a hot seat. And I'm going to tell you what, if he commits to uh, what, what Dalton or Finley for next year, I don't think that's going to sit well with a lot of people. Maybe Dalton is the answer, but uh, you know, we didn't see it through the first half of this season and uh, it gives an opportunity for Zach Taylor to get another one of his guys as at quarterback. Um, 
I think that's I think that's your pick for a number of reasons. And yes, I think the offensive line needs major work. I, I would venture to guess the offensive line probably needs at least three new starters next year. Um, you know, I think the the left guard situation needs to be figured out. I'm not overly enamored with John Miller at right guard. He's okay, I guess. Uh, I think right tackle needs to be figured out. Trey Hopkins has been pretty good, uh, but he's been a little bit of a roller coaster this year. You know, you've got Jonah Williams coming back. Ideally, you would have Jonah Williams coming back at left tackle. You would have Cordy Glenn come back if he's in the right frame of mind and wants to play football and, you know, whatever. Uh, at left guard, maybe you have Hopkins at center, and then you, you, you get another guard and have them battle it out with uh, John Miller, and then you either get a right tackle in free agency or the draft, and that's that's kind of what you do. But um, – at any rate, I think quarterback, it, it, this team needs to be inspired. And I think, you know, if, if the entire team has a belief that they've got a guy on the sideline, regardless of the deficit, regardless of the situation, if they have a, if they have a, the belief that they have that guy on the sideline, um, that's, uh, that, that can bring them back and, and get a win regardless of what's going on in the game. Um, I think that kind of reverberates throughout the entire team. And that's, that's what this Bengals team needs. Uh, truthfully, they, they just need a guy to kind of grab them by the haunches and say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to drag us to a win. Um, based on what I saw la- last night with Justin Herbert and, and what I've seen this season with, with Joe Burrow, I think Joe Burrow can be a guy that can work a bit better behind a patchwork offensive line. I think Herbert has a better offensive line in college right now. Um, and, and I think sh- he showed me a little bit of a panic mode when things weren't going right last night, whereas Burrow seems a bit more collected. Herbert's got the arm. There's no doubt about it. He's got the arm. Uh there, there is absolutely no doubt about that, but uh, I think Burrow's got a little bit of the different, the it factor, the demeanor, the, uh, you know, uh, guys have got this type of thing. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of the things that stuck out to me uh, more recently. So um, if the Bengals do decide to go Herbert, I would like to see them actually maybe move back, uh, grab another, you know, high pick, get Justin Herbert, maybe grab an offensive lineman, a defensive player, whatever the case may be, um, you know, and then you kind of, you kind of work it that way. But um, I don't know. Rob Bellamy is really on the uh, (laughs) really, really asking us a lot about the, the coaching situation, who's going to stay, who's going to go. If, if Zach does get fired, do you see them going in house or out of house? I think they have to go out of house again. Um, the problem with that, the problem with the coaching change again, just one year into it, they overhauled the entire staff this year, right? I mean, it's not like Zach kept a defensive coordinator and or offensive coordinator. I mean, basically they kept the special they pay, they kept the quarterbacks coach, the wide receivers coach, and the special teams coordinator. Um, everybody else is new, basically. So doing that again one year later. Uh, that can do some damage, but I, I don't know. I, I tend to think Zach Taylor, part of me thinks regardless of how this season ends up playing out, Zach Taylor's going to stay. Even if it's 0-16, Zach Taylor's going to stay. Part of me also says Mike Brown is going to see an 0-16 record. He's going to look at that attendance. He, he mentioned it last, last 
this last offseason when he said we saw that fans were staying away from the stadium, we had to make a coaching change. We felt that was the need. If that continues the rest of this year and the Bengals don't win a single game, I don't know how you stick with them. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of see the logic with both. Um, you know, Alejandro Arceo says, I I guess I guess uh, Taylor has a free pass this year. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, guys, we're going a little long. I appreciate you sticking with me for uh, this show. Again, this is the Orange and Black Insider uh, post-game episode, courtesy of Cincy Jungle and its podcast network. Get the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on iHeartRadio, the megaphone platform. Uh, I think I said Stitcher, but if not, you can get it there too. It's on CincyJungle.com as well as the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast YouTube channel. Get it there. Thanks for tuning in today i i know it's it's always tough talking about a loss to the steelers um don't let the steelers trolls get to you either uh i let one get to me today and i'm i'm irritated i did <laughs> but uh better days are ahead i hope and uh enjoy the rest of your weekend go do something fun and, and take your mind off some Bengals football but download the show before you do <laughs> uh thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time uh take it easy <laughs>